Welcome in, Spare Time Bowling Show. Steve Sparky, Pfeiffer with you. Follow me on Twitter at Sparky Radio. Check out all the fine interviews I do throughout the week over at 1250amthefan.com. He, of course, is Dwight Albert. You can follow him on Twitter at Dewey 300. Runs the Spare Time Pro Shop at New Berlin Bowl. Phil Brylo, $2 Phil is here. Follow him on Twitter at Brew City Bowling. We are going to get to the Illinois Classic uh, and talk about what happened uh, in that TV tournament. Uh, coming up, but first we're going to start off with a couple of guests on the show because as Dwight alluded to last week okay. on the Spare Time Bowling Podcast, string pin setters coming to a local bowling alley near you here in uh, southeastern Wisconsin. Uh, and joining us now, Stefan Honan of uh, Fox View Lanes and Josh Blanchard. Remember him from his PBA Tour uh, run uh, of Cubica AMF. And uh, Josh, I want to start with you first. Because you're not on the PBA tour anymore, what ha- what happened? Oh, well, I, have, I haven't been on in in four years. So, <laughs> well, just because I don't see you on TV doesn't mean you're not out there trying. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, <laughs> no, I'm just not uh, not there anymore. I gave that up just so I could be home with my uh, kids more and just be relevant uh, while they're uh, at a young age and they want me around. Yeah, because eventually, once they get to about 13, 14, right. it's over. It's all done. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, then it's all done. Uh, okay, uh, our guy Stefan over here, uh, my guy. Now, again, I say Stephen. He says Stefan. It's a whole thing. <laughs> I, we won't get into that again. Uh, okay, so last time we talked, we were talking about your bowling alley in Sussex and all the great stuff you had going over there. You never at any point on this podcast said, hey, guys, I got a secret I wanted to tell you. We got this cool thing coming, but I can't tell you right now. That's something's coming. Never hinted. Nothing. So so what's going on? Pin string setters, it's happening? It's it's actually happening at our Waukesha Center in uh, Fox U Lanes. Um, and when we talked last, um, it, it was on my mind. But I had actually, like six months ago, I ordered new pins for Fox U for free fall. So Six months ago, my head was still leaning towards that we were going to stay free fall. Um, and I've been kind of on the fence for it for a while. And it's just, I think it's the time to do it and we got to move forward with it. You know, that's the thing that uh, I wanted to get your thoughts on too, was pricing of it uh, and how much of a deciding factor was that as far as, okay, can I really afford to do this? How long is it going to take me to pay this off? Uh, and that that whole thing, because obviously price has to come into play here of whether or not right. a bowling center is going to do this. Sure. I mean, pricing obviously has a huge factor in everything. Um, we have a couple more months left on our scoring loan. Um, so with that being gone, this will kind of replace that. The pin setters are a lot more than the scoring in general. But I'm hoping between like the, the parts and the mechanic bills that I've been paying um, that were close to a wash. But I guess I really won't know that till it gets in the door. Um, but at so least Josh, the parts are covered. <laughs> right. So, Josh, I have a question for you. Uh, obviously, being a rep for AMF Cubica, um, obviously, your machines that you're selling, Stefan, are certified. Uh, for, for the proprietors listening to the show, how many different certified strain pin setters are there in the world? Uh, right now, I believe there is three companies that sell certified uh, string pin setters. Actually, four. I, I believe four. Um, and there's a couple more trying to get in the marketplace. Uh, but they're four. We're one of four. Uh, we are the largest. We've sold over 11,000 string pin setters. And we're just eclipsing uh, 400 and something pin setters uh, just this year of certified ones. So compared to yours, to the others that are out there, uh, what makes yours better? How much maintenance is involved for a proprietor to take care of these strain machines? Because I was a former A2 mechanic back in the 80s with red carpet, and there were thousands of parts, uh, moving parts, pulleys, motors, gears. So what's involved with a strain machine for long-term maintenance? Yeah, that's that's the number one selling point. I mean, uh, energy efficiency is going to be number one. What differentiates us over our competitors um, a few things, but number one would be um, energy efficiency. We're the only uh, one that has a 24 volt DC motor and that runs both machines. So that motor is so energy efficient compared to the amount of energy it takes to pump into an A2. Um, you're looking at 60 to 70 percent energy savings alone. <clears throat> so in a larger center, you could save anywhere from three to five thousand dollars a month. And that could just cover your loan alone for the pin setters. So I know it's a big a number up front, but a lot of these centers are spending uh, anywhere from $500 to $1,000 a lane in, in parts a year. And uh, with ours, we have three-year warranty. 
so anything breaks within the first three years, it's a bumper to bumper coverage. But you're looking at spending less than $100 a lien a year in parts. And our parts kit is, I wish I could show you a picture, but you can fit it on two racks really in the back of two four foot racks. And that's the only parts you'll need to work on the machine. Otherwise, you look in the back of a normal bowling center that has A2s and there are thousands, you're right, thousands mm -hmm. of parts back there yeah. and uh, pinwheels and anything that could break. And there's just not that many moving parts uh, with our machines or with string machines to be able to fix. So um, it's much easier, it's efficient, and you can leave your center at night knowing that nothing's going to break at the end of the night. And if it does, it's pretty simple to fix. Well, after last week, we talked about first uh, with Dwight breaking the news about, about Foxview and uh, I had talked to EJ Tackett at the PBA stop Mount Prospect that his center was going full uh, 22 lanes of cubic AMF string pincers as well. Uh, my phone blew up from league bowlers I know all the way up to Tom Clark about what's going on. Uh, league bowler-wise, Stefan, how, how have your league bowlers reacted to it so far? Um, you know, out of the gate, at my I think my Tuesday league has probably got the stronger bowlers in it. Um, I had heard up of seven teams are going to pull out um, without even giving it a chance. Um, we did send out a survey this, uh, this last week, and we're going to be doing it again. Um, that survey, I think, indicated that three teams said no, but then there was like eight maybes on that list. Um, so, I, I mean, I definitely got to go out there and do some uh, sales to these guys and just let them know what we're doing and why we're doing it because well, nobody's it, it, said why. Yeah, I mean, is your league pricing going to stay stable the next year? Because there's like a lot of centers. The last few years, it's been league prices have been going up, up, up because parts are so hard to get, labor's going up, all that other stuff. Are you going to be able to keep your league prices relatively stable going in the the, the 24, 25 season? At this point, I have not leaned towards raising my lineage at all. Okay. Um, Let's so talk about the machines that you have because we've been talking about A2s, but you don't have A2s at Foxview, right? Correct. Um, so we had A's that came out in the late 50s, I believe, um, and then I was also told that the uh, when the A2s came out in the 60s, that they converted more A's to A2s than they ever sold A2s. Um, so our biggest issue that we have is we don't have a preference system on our machines, um, which locks the bowling balls out, um, crashing into the middle. Um, so you might not see it so much during your typical league play because you have lane courtesy and people aren't bowling at the same time. Um, but like our junior league, I think we had about 20 calls this last Saturday. Um, actually, no, during the junior tournament, 20 calls from eight in the morning to noon that were all either ball related or maybe even respots that are pretty much eliminated with the new machines. Yeah, Josh, talk about that. Talk talk about pin spotting and so forth, because sometimes, you know, you have issues with, you know, pins moving off their spot or whatever the case may be. Uh, and with these, I don't think that necessarily happens. No, there's there'd be no outer ranges at all. Uh, the machine will know uh, by a detector in the back if the pin has been knocked over based on how far the string moved. Um, and then that will just pull the pins back up and set pins back on on spot. The only thing that you're gonna never going to happen is you're never going to be able to have a pin slide out of range and stay there. So there's your number one. It's going to go back on spot. But really, if we date ourselves back before the 80s and 90s, you really couldn't do that anyways. Uh, so it, it's not like it's anything that what didn't happen in the past. So that's one outlier, but uh, ball return issues really go away uh, with these machines. Out of ranges go away. Deadwoods go out of the way. So mm -hmm. the centers that have them right now, they're seeing uh, league time cut down by 20 and 30 minutes just from those little calls. Yeah, it doesn't take much. When yeah. you look at a five-man team, if you're talking an extra three or four seconds per bowler um, and you multiply that by five, five bowlers, uh, 10 people in a pair and three games, it doesn't take much to go an extra 30 or 40 minutes. And our machines cycle faster than A2s by three or four seconds. So you can get a faster rack, which in, in turn, for a proprietor, you get your lanes back 30 minutes faster. You're going to be able to turn over revenue faster after league. What about the guys that are complaining that there will be no messengers? Our sport's all about messengers. Uh, what about the guys that are complaining about that? I know Phil made a comment, just bowl better last week on our show. Um, <laughs> throw it better, man. Right. Throw it better. But. Um, that's going to be like one of the biggest complaints out there. I, I for for me, I, I I made a comment when we closed the show last week. Either we have a sport or we don't. You know, I, with uh, mechanics coming up shorter and shorter every day, and no one wants to do it. I, I just think people are going to just have to get used to the difference. This is our future. 
Yeah, no, I, you, you hit the nail on the head there. Um, mechanics are impossible to come by, not just hard. They're impossible. There's so many people that don't have qualified mechanics. Pairs are going down for uh, days and weeks on end. And when you're a small center like Stefan, if he lost a pair for two or three days, that's uh, literally 15, 20% of his business could be gone by just losing a pair. So uh, that is taken out of play. Um, but messengers, you are able to throw messengers. They just need to be coming over there at a quick pace. They can't be rolling. You're, you're not going to see rolling messengers anymore. And not just on 10 pins. You're not going to see rolling messengers really take out pins kind of from behind. That roll two from behind, you're just that, – that hit is not going to happen. But um, I think you're going to see more of a traditional strike coming back into play. I know Phil said it last week, just bowl better. But <laughs> you're going to have to get a, a little flusher strikes. Um, and those hits, I was looking at the Illinois uh, tournament this weekend. Every game um, – um, AJ Johnson had a really light, really light mixer strike. And yep. those just, they're not going to happen on string pins. So it's going to come back into play where you're going to see a little more of, you need to hit the pocket flusher to get these strikes. You're not going to see the pocket become so large. Um, and I would say in the last 10 years, the pocket has become larger than it ever has. I agreed 1000%. I, I want to follow up here, Josh. I mean, you're a former PBA bowler, obviously. Is that the future for the PBA? Is that where it's headed? Or do you think the PBA uh, may fight to keep it out as long as possible? That's not on me to say. That would be on Tom Clark and Neil Strummel and their uh, rules department at the PBA. I do think if we're talking long term um, in the next decade, that there's eventually going to have to be a tournament. Uh, and I'm not saying the national tour, but the regionals aside and to get a feel for them um, as a player. A lot of times nowadays, machines are getting out of whack and you see a lot of out of range or not out of range off spot pins. Yes. And when we head to tournaments and that's just not going to happen on string pin setters, you're going to get a more of a true perfect rack every time. And as a competitor, that's all I can ever ask for is I would like the same rack as my competitor on the other lane, having the exact same sure. opportunity, not the one, three touching or something separating where I feel like I'm at a disadvantage. And so it brings the playing field, in my opinion, to to a, a closer, even playing field. Yeah. Now, now, Tom Clark, I mentioned, contacted me last week after the show, and he basically said that he doesn't see string pin tournaments on the PBA Tour or the PBA Regional Tour until more testing is completed. Uh, what can they, what could they do to test? I mean, have has anybody contacted Cubica? or Brun, I know Brunswick's got a string pin setter as well. Has anybody contacted these companies about doing testing with professional bowlers? I've seen a couple events. I know Pat Sinello ran a couple events in Florida, Pandemic wise, we ran some games on string pins and some on regular free fall pinfalls. Uh, is there any situation where you guys at Cubic AMF might be bringing, you know, yourself and other pros and to 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 give real world testing? I would think real world testing would be a regional, in my own opinion. Put it on, the, give it a regional uh, spot, and let the real let the real world testing begin. They're all bowling on the same pins for that tournament. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I, that, that conversation has happened between me and Tom a little bit, and we're getting to more into depth. Uh, and Tom, is he wants to make sure he's making the right decision and not just allowing everything because it is the highest level of the sport. So I respect right. Tom in his uh, doing his due diligence. Um, but, yeah, we would love to have a tournament uh, where the pros are there and they get a real, um, a real feel for them. Last year there was a – not a PBA tournament, but a high level event with a lot of PBA players in Utah. Um, and that event happened on certified string pin setters. Anthony Simonson was there. One of the highest critics of machines and how they operate and how they run and they're on spot. And he really didn't have any complaints per se. He gave an interview afterwards. Darren Tang was there. Uh, Steve Klompkin. So got it. Guys from storm were there and no one had really any complaints uh, about him. They just, they saw that there was a few less messengers, but as Phil says, you're just going to have to hit a little flusher. So you'll see the overall scoring pace, I think, come down a little bit just from the lack of these massive pocket strikes where somebody hits light and the pins just go side to side. You're just going to have to hit a little flusher to uh, keep the same scores. You know, it, it's funny. All the purists that want the balls to be like they were in the 70s, not so dynamic and stuff, and roll better. And, and these are 90% of the people are complaining about the string pins. Like we used to, have to throw it so flush in the pocket to carry right. back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> now you have to do it again, and now you're complaining about it. It's just, it's so ironic and funny to me. Uh, as you get older, it, your memory goes. It happens. <laughs> uh, Stefan, I want to come back to you for a second. So, 
again, I've not been to this this center in Madison, but I was to a spare time uh, bowling center in Iowa, and right. they had string pins, and I tried it. I wasn't all that happy necessarily with what I went through and experienced. Pins were falling down from the the top and whatever else the case may be. Uh, but having said that, now I believe they have a spare time center in Madison. Have you gone and bowled any of these string pins yourself, uh, Stefan, uh, along the way here? Um, I didn't throw. I've thrown on the non-certified machines at a Brookfield area center. Um, that's an FEC in the area. Um, Bowl Expo had, I believe, Josh, that the, was a sanctioned machine at Bowl Expo. Yeah. Um, so Bowl Expo, I didn't. I, I've sat there and watched the pin action. Even on the non-certified machines, um, which we weren't going to put in, we wanted to stick with the sanctioned machines. Um, the biggest concern was on the splits, not even so much the strike shot, that right. the string was getting in the way on the splits. Um, you know, we're going to have brand new kickbacks. Um, the kickbacks fly on the brand new ones compared to the ones that are installed in the 50s. Um, the pins will be, we're probably going to replace our pins every season. That was another concern people had. Um, I'm sure we'll get on some kind of rotation that way, but I, I don't think anybody's really going to notice the difference. I I would confidently say at least 80% of the people, if I were to be able to snap my fingers and the machines went in tomorrow and they came into league, they wouldn't even know unless I went and told them. Yeah, you kind of stole my thunder. That was going to be the questions was splits, like 5, 7, 6, 7, 10, stuff like that. I mean, we talk about the strike pocket, but what about the splits, Josh? That, that You're not going to see them. On the new certified machines, the way the kickbacks are, are moved back, um, uh, the, sorry, the ball stop and the curtain pin curtain wall, um, you're not going to see them bounce out. All these videos that are on there of people bouncing out splits everywhere, those are on uncertified machines, and the string length is much shorter. The pins basically become tight, the string, and then they bounce back and they kick back. So USBC did a, a phenomenal job, a three-year study in collaboration with us and other manufacturers to make sure that this didn't happen. I shot it in a, in a video we did uh, in December. I shot at, I believe, almost 20, 25 or 26 big fours in a row. I didn't have one of them bounce out. And I shot them hard. I shot them four seven. I shot at the six six ten. I shoot at the seven ten. I, I can't get any of them to bounce out. So in that regard, it's not as easy to make them. But you're not these fifty percent seven ten conversions. I mean, that is a fallacy, and that is on the uncertified machine. And to get people to understand the difference between uncertified and certified, without just keep saying it over and over, is a magnificent difference between the two. They're not even one's more of an arcade recreational. And one is a true right. sport machine. It's going to bring back the authenticity of what people felt like in the 70s and 80s. You know, you mentioned 11,000 installs so far worldwide. About how many of those have been in the U.S.? And let's say a proprietor hears this today and they want to get in touch with you and get them installed. What's the wait time right now, Josh, on something like that? I know Stefan says they're going in the summer by him. Yeah, he's waiting. He's waiting until right when the leagues end. So he'll be right at the beginning of May. I think very end of April, beginning of May is when his install date is. Um, obviously, summertime installs are huge for us because people want them in the summer. But we have install dates all the time. Our lead time is somewhere between 12, 8 to 12 weeks right now. If someone wanted to, they can get a hold of me uh, at jblanchard at cubicaamf.us if someone is interested. Um, but we have install times and we have more install teams now than we've ever had. We're ready for the big boom. We're ready for a bunch of installs. Um, and we're seeing them every day. I'm getting more and more interest and more and more emails every day about it. Um, Stefan is uh, one of the early adopters. And I believe in uh, in three or four years, he's going to see himself that he's this is one of the best moves he, he's made for his business and financially. Uh, Stephen, what about the the machines themselves? So there's like USB-C mode and then there's another mode on the machines? So um, one of the biggest issues I think that came out with uh, why they wanted to do the shorter strings is that they get less tangles. Because that I think is the biggest concern with the machines is that the pins can get tangled. Um, so like if you come into bowl open play mode, it'll be in like a recreational style mode where it will only allow the string to go to that shorter length, how they came out with when they were first starting to do testing. Um, but as a bowler, if you want to come in and bowl on the USB-C style in our center, you know, we're going to have some signage up that just says, you know, just request USB-C mode. So if you want to come in and practice, you're actually practicing on the USB-C mode, not just the rec mode. Because if you go to rec mode, then, yep, you're going to get those 710s. You're going to get those big fours. Um, so I don't want people to come in and think, like, or even the spare time in Madison is not sanctioned. Uh, they go bowl there. They, they'll get some kind of idea of what it all is be the same as what we're doing 
Stefan, uh, Josh, thanks so much for coming on, man. Really appreciate you guys taking a few minutes and explaining to us. Uh, when is when are you expecting it to be done at Fox View Lane, Stefan? Um, May 1st to May 10th is pretty much our install date. It's supposed to be 10 days, um, but I gave the go-ahead to just pull all 16 out and 16 in, so I think that's going to be a little bit faster than 10 days. And then we have summer league starting up um, the end of May and early June, so I, I have had some interest in that uh, that people are want to kind of come bowl summer leagues because um, they're going to want to try them out before next season. Dwight, let's dust our shoes off and get out there. I mean, yes, yeah, I would, we haven't done this in a while. So we're going to we're going to dust our shoes off and get out there. Would love to try them. Yep, Sparky, you dusting yours off too? No, <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? Those those high average, um, that high average uh, league or the really good bowlers that you were talking about that had these maybes. Maybe you just give them a league. Uh, at minimal cost in the summer to essentially try to keep them. You're like, here you go. Yeah, win them over. Right. Have Here you go. Have eight weeks. It'll be half the price that it normally is, whatever the case may be. I want you to bowl on these dang things before the sure. fall and convince you before you pick up and leave to go to another center that these things work. Because that's, to me, that's what it is. And I'll be honest, and Josh doesn't know this, but when I first heard of pinstring centers, mm-hmm. I lost my mind. I'm like, holy yeah. crap. <laughs> if you put these things on TV, like the talking heads on TV are going to make fun of the sport forever. Like it's never going to be taken seriously again. It's going to be a running joke. I, this cannot happen. Um, and then, like I said, I went and did the spare time thing or whatever in Iowa. And I was texting these two knuckleheads telling them about it as I was doing. I couldn't believe I was bowling on string pin setters. <laughs> um, right. But as as technology evolves and gets better and right. so forth, Everything is going to work itself out. Obviously, there is no arguing from the owner perspective of why every owner needs to do this eventually, because as they said, there are mechanics are literally dying by the day that can actually fix these machines. I mean, there aren't 20 something year olds going around the country fixing these old school machines. There's not just like there's not 20 something year olds working in corner mechanic uh, fixing cars anymore. Those days are gone too. all these dealerships and stuff. They can't find mechanics anymore that can fix cars. So it's a dying thing right now. And the easiest way to do it is to do it this way. So the cost of repair is less. And one more, one more thing. How long would it take Josh for Stefan to train somebody to be up to speed on how to fix one of these machines? If it were to break down, there's the kicker. It, It is almost no time because we have an app. Uh, if you have our uh, scoring and everything, we have an app that goes on a phone. And if something broke and there was an error on lane three, that app would give you a tutorial video step-by-step how to fix that item. So literally, I could, could just follow yes. the video on the app Absolutely. and go back there and fix it. Absolutely. If you have if you have minimal knowledge on how to use a tool in general, <laughs> which you only need three tools with our machine. Like right. You, all you need is three tools. You can go back there and fix something it with a tutorial video. Uh, for Cubica AMF, but I'm gonna leave you with two two things. One is uh, payback period. You're looking at about three years for an average center, just in savings and employee cost electricity. And uh, number two is um, we've had a couple centers that have big leagues like Stefan that have these machines installed. Their league bowlers complained about them. They lost to zero zero league bowlers when they got installed. That's zero. good. So as much as bowlers want to complain about them, once they see them in person and bowl on them, Give them a try. listen, everyone's on the same machine. It's not like you're competing against someone score-wise that's not on the same machine. Yeah, uh, They haven't lost any league bowlers. Good. Yeah, I and love the it. The averages are within a tenth of a pin. Yeah, yes. that's really good. Yeah. No, so uh, I mean, Josh and Seven, thanks so much for coming on. Looking forward to May coming and Foxview Lanes. I mean, I joined a league, but I'm definitely going to come out there and check them out for sure. No doubt about that. Uh, guys, thanks for so much for coming yeah, on. Sure. We're going to talk about the Illinois Classic coming up. Uh, enjoy the rest of your day. All right. Thank you. Thanks. There they go. There goes Josh and Stefan. Off they go. All right. Let's talk about the Illinois Classic uh, from over the weekend. Uh, first, let me say uh, that uh, Marquette basketball really kind of screwed my life up uh, this last week. And they really did because Marquette ended up going uh, and playing uh, and going to, um, whatchamacallit, uh, overtime. So because of that, my DVR that I had set, oh, sure. even oh, though sure. I had it set, Dwight, to yeah. go longer, I'm watching the replay. I'm watching. I'm in the ninth frame. That's yes. it. All done. Ninth frame last game. All done. Who won? Who won? Yeah. Well, I, I, I had already had it ruined for me on Twitter. Right. Um, so I oh, it wasn't me for once. Good. Yeah. 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 But, but Marshall Kent, I knew one. But I'm watching, you know, AJ Johnson, we had him on the show. He's a Kenosha guy now. So I was pulling for AJ. They get to the ninth frame and Kay is watching it with me. And Kay goes, 
what the hell? I'm like, <laughs> yeah, because Marquette played long and now yes. I don't see the last two frames. She's like, well, who won? So then I told her because she was pulling for AJ too. Cause I was right. like, we may end up giving him some of Jackson's baby clothes when he has his baby <laughs> boy. Cause I got all these damn clothes. I told him he can come get some, um, but either way. Uh, so that, that kind of sucked. Yeah. Well, let's talk about Fanta. Shall we? Um, the play-by-play announcer. Nobody is safe on this podcast. If you're new <laughs> to it, nobody's safe. If you're on TV or whatever, you're under fire just like everybody else. Um, so Fanta is really a pretty amazing dude, right? I mean, he has made huge growth as far as what he's being, jobs he's been giving and so forth, college basketball, he's doing everything. And now he's doing the the, the PBA tour. He had a, had a run of it a little bit last year. Here, look, I, I'm not a play-by-play guy. But I've been in media for a long time. I swear to you, you do not have to mention, first of all, that it's the dude's hometown, which it wasn't. He lived 50 miles away. He grew up 50 miles away from there. And I'm pretty sure that if somebody brought up to Fanta that 50 miles from where he actually grew up was actually his hometown, he'd be like, no, that's not my hometown. It's this. So that was annoying the hell out of me. The second thing that was annoying the hell out of me was how many times he kept saying it over and over and over and over and over. I swear to God, if you had some whiskey and a shot glass, you would have been hammered by the time you got through his second game, Johnson's second game. He would not shut up about, oh, the hometown kid. Oh, right. la, 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 la. Like, I, it was driving me nuts. And I like AJ. Right. But enough, dude. Like, I get it. And, and before he can rebut with, yeah, but Sparky, people are tuning in all the time. Fine. I get it. I get mm-hmm. it. But do it once a game. Right. We want to do it two, three, four times a game. Like I felt, especially towards the end, it was like every third frame I was yeah. br- he was bringing up. It was almost like he didn't have enough content, so he kept falling. His crutch became talking about AJ and that he was from there, and everybody was rooting for him. And blah 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 blah. It drove me absolutely bananas. And, and he's new to the PBA. I get it. But you got Randy Peterson. He's right, right there. Yeah. Just utilize Randy Peterson. Like going into for me now. Okay. For me, if you're going into this, I'm sitting down with Randy Peterson and going over every bowler on the step ladder, every yeah. single bowler, yeah. strengths, weaknesses, history that I should know about these guys. Right. Do these guys too have any history that, that I should know about? I'm doing as much research as I can. Then I'm talking to each and every one of the bowlers. And he may have done all of this. I'm not saying he didn't. I'm just saying it was me. Then you talk to each and every one of the bowlers as well, and you're trying to find out as much background as possible and so forth. Like the spar COVID thing they went over mm-hmm. about, you know, how his, he had the lung issue and so forth and how he's fought his way all the way back, which is what's a great story yeah. and definitely needed to be told. And that was well done by Fanta for sure. I just, nah, I miss Rob Stone, man. Yes. Somebody better bring me Rob Stone. Yeah. I want Rob Stone. I thought, Where's Rob Stone? I thought Lamont was solid for the two shows of the year. Lamont's US. fine, but he's yeah. been doing it forever. I yeah. don't worry about Lamont. Yeah. But yeah. He's, Fanta's oh. new, and yeah. they're going, it's going to be a process. Yeah. It just is. Yeah. All these guys that complain about Rob Stone. Oh. Yeah, uh, you might want to rethink that on social media, all the complaints about Rob Stone. And the thing that I get is uh, I think Randy, as a uh, color analyst, feeds off of the play-by-play guy. Oh, sure. I, I think part of the problem was, too, is that during that second match with A.J. Johnson where he goes, I can hear Randy. And obviously, you yes. notice A.J. got up in the 10th frame. Randy didn't say anything until after the first, you know, until after the first. All the way barely, to the shot. Right. He, so, was, he was like this. He's like... And, and, and he's approaching the shot and blah, 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 blah. he's like whispering, well, in, not talking like this. He's like whispering into the microphone, yeah. hoping the bowler can't hear him. And, and he talked all the way through the shot, like yeah. all the way through. Well, it was funny because depending on where the, what the setup is, sometimes you'll have the announcer booth way down lane by the pins and they have plexiglass. I mean, so the bowlers aren't supposed to really be able to hear him, but we've heard voices in the past too, where people go, yeah. yeah, voices travel. I always wonder why they don't have a roof on that. Cause you know, the sound's right. gotta be just going up out of the booth. Great. Idea. Even though they're talking straight yeah. forward, they, you know, maybe yeah, something like to contain that capsule. Yeah, yeah. Something to contain a little bit. Cause they were literally like, they were blowing on lane seven and eight. Like the, the booth was on like lanes, like 10 and 11. It wasn't that far off the pair with the logistics this week. And it was close enough where, yeah, if Randy's getting into it like Randy likes to do, and we all like Randy hearing when he gets into it because that's when he gets some of the best Randyisms and stuff. Uh, yeah, it was close enough that they could, you know, the, the plexiglass deflected some of the sound, but not all of it. So, Bolero is the sponsor of this thing. Yeah. 
why not just go to Bolero and be like, hey, man, right? can you help foot the cost of a soundproof booth that we could just set up and tear down week yeah, to week? can't be that much. No. Yeah. We, well, look, we're in a radio studio, right? Well, you they can have see a, the soundproofing yeah, kind yeah. of behind me here. Right. And that's just that's just kind of on the walls. So you're just talking about a box. Yeah, which the they have. But it's just, that, yeah. There's no ceiling. There's no ceiling. It's the same one probably from 10 years ago yeah. when I was there. Yeah. Right. So- you know, you you put a top on it, put some soundproofing on, so these guys can actually do it a little bit better. And yeah, again, like, <laughs> and I don't know. Somebody may have told Fanta, "You got to talk, talk all the way up till he throws." <laughs> so that that might not have been on him. He may have felt right. like, "Well, we got to talk. How are we not going to talk? It's TV. We got, but you don't. It's TV. It's not radio. Yeah. So you you don't have to talk necessarily yeah. the entire time. And again, TV, radio, two totally different entities. And even watching golf sometimes where the guys are in an announcer booth on the 18th hole, but there's a guy putting on 14, but they don't talk during the putt. Right. Just to help build some, you know, intensity on what's yeah. going on, especially if it's the leader, he's going to take over the lead. And then they just let the flow happen when just naturally the crowd noise and everything else. And that's what gets that's, that's the, the involvement. Timing of it. Yeah. Right. So it, it, it's, it's interesting. I don't know if John's going to be on this week from uh springfield i would doubt it would be rob so but i think Fanta's the the go-to guy now the other thing i was thinking about is this something else that came up why are we starting with two majors why aren't they putting some of these meaningless tournaments before why would you again this is a tom thing but or a bolero thing i don't know could be a site location dates thing don't know i'm just saying for me I don't need two majors to start my season. Like if you want to start with the players championship, go for it. But then we should go maybe Illinois, Missouri, then maybe us open then a couple more, then come back with another major to start back to back. That's tough. Like these guys don't even get a chance to really get into a rhythm. And right away, you're bowling for majors at the start of the season. And you can look at NASCAR and say, okay, well they start with an 8.500. They're Super Bowl, which is dumb. Um, yeah. But they start with that Daytona 500. But then later you get into some of the other races. Talladega is later. Bristol is later after that. And yeah. it's kind of more spread out over the schedule. I don't make the schedule. I don't know how tough it is. I'm not saying it's possible to be fixed. I'm just saying as a fan and thinking of it from a bowler standpoint, I'd like to see the majors spread out a little bit more. Let me get in my rhythm for a couple of weeks on the Illinois and the Missouri before we go running off to try and do an impossible U.S. Open tournament. It's just kind of, and it's kind of weird this year too, the way the weather's been. So the bowlers get to Wichita, guys can't get there because it's a blizzard. Right. Then they go back to Indy. It's seasonal. You get to Chicago land area last week. It's sixty, and all these guys are all getting into Springfield, Missouri today. I'm heading there as soon as I'm done with the show here. There's gonna be five inches of snow. They just are they're in the process of getting right now. It's just so weird that logistically you'd think you'd schedule the southern ones later, or you know the northern ones a little later in the schedule too. That's a whole nother with thing. That, with but the type again, of thing. I know that's a that's a big bowler PBA bowler tour guys. They don't like the the winter stops, you know, in, in, where it could be snowing and that kind of because it just makes travel so hellacious. But the other thing is because a lot of these dudes are driving, yep. right? Yes. If, if I said okay, fine. We'll, we'll go. We'll go and do that, Phil. No problem. So you're going to be in Orlando uh, here. And then next week, we're going to put you in uh, California. Then we'll we'll go down to Texas and then we'll come back up to Vegas. Uh, and then we're going to go over here to Alabama. And yeah. then we're going to make our way finally to the Midwest at that point. That's a lot of damn driving. Yeah, that's a well, lot of expense. That's- so that's also something that Tom's got to take into consideration. I would think again, yeah. I've been a part well- of these meetings is to regionalize it, to make it as cost-effective as possible for the bowlers to go from A to B to C to D without going driving back and forth across the country. It's not an NFL team. You put on a charter and you fly them. It doesn't cost them anything. Well, you speak of that, PBA 50 schedule this year. Starts in Michigan, goes to North Carolina, three stops in Florida, then goes all the way across the country to Vegas, then Greeley, Colorado, Columbus, Ohio, West Virginia, Virginia back to Michigan, and ends up down to Jonesboro, over to Hammond, and then to, to Riviera for the TOC so in August. Is, These are guys are doing the, exactly what you're talking about, okay, but so, they're doing it in the summer. Okay, but this, but this is the other thing. I think if I'm the commissioner, you have to take input from the bowlers. Mm-hmm. Guys, we can have these many tournaments. It, realistically, do you want them more regionalized? Do you want them in certain areas of the country more than the other? Like, where do you want to be? I guess, kind of going forward. And whether that's an email survey or however you do it, try and get the feedback of where do these guys want to go? Maybe they don't want to pull the damn Midwest. And Tom is located in the Midwest. Yeah. So I get it. 
but maybe they don't want to bowl in the Midwest. Maybe if you ask them, they'd rather bowl in California, Texas, Vegas. Just keep us out there. We don't want to be over here. But you've got a lot of East Coast guys. Yeah. So I'm sure some of them are like, I don't want to drive all the way to California and be that yeah. far away from my family for two months or whatever the case may yeah. be. I think to a degree, you have to let the bowlers, because they aren't making a bunch of money if they don't make TV, you have to have them let them have some say as far as where and how this is all going to look. I think there is. Um, I keep when I'm listening to you guys, I keep thinking back about the Rolling Stone article on Anthony Simonson and to quote Tom Clark in there. Yeah, he might be one of the highest fine guys, but he's smart. And we listen to him. Yeah. I would love to see Anthony Simonson on the whole travel, his take on the whole travel schedule. Yeah, I mean, there's a players committee that gets input that goes to Tom and, and everyone else at Bolero for. You know what they're looking for in terms of that type of thing, what that back and forth is and everything. I'm not Ooh. part of that. I don't even know who's on I don't know. Brad Miller was the last president that I know of. I don't know if he still is now, president. Again, now this is important to me mm-hmm. because this is my beef with like the NBA. Oh, Chris Paul, you're the president or whatever. Oh, yeah. good. So he's going to champion the superstar stuff that makes sense for the union. Oh, good. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. But that's not how that should be. Yeah. And just like this, the players committee, you can have a Belmonte. Mm-hmm. You can have a, a Simonson making money yeah so their opinion of what they want to do is going to be completely different than the people that That's aren't true. on but one tv show yeah. a year or are maybe aren't making tv but are competing right. and they don't have that much money yeah. to pay for the hotels and the gas and all that other stuff so there has to be a good mix of everybody on the committee together when you start talking about travel and the other thing to keep in mind is the tournament host now these guys these host centers like this week down in, in springfield and next week Dave Small hosts a bunch of PBA events all year long, and he's at his championship lanes in Anderson, Indiana the following week. Uh, getting these host centers and, and you know, the support they give, and there's time frames that they're only going to open their centers for. And otherwise, sure, you can go to all Bolero centers and Bolero kind of their own costs. They own the tour, that type of thing. But they want to make sure that, you know, it's it, other proprietors are involved with it as well. The amount of money these proprietors put up is not cheap. I think it's a minimum of at least thirty-five thousand dollars to host a national stop. It's a lot of money. So then you got to work with that factor as well as Dave might only want to host in February or or because he's got other events going on. Last couple of weekends ago, he had the Illinois Masters. He's got the Illinois Queen or Indiana Masters. Indiana Queens is coming up. Super Bowl doubles was just this past weekend at the center. So that you know, getting the tour to host at at a popular center like that, it's not easy to do. I got a question. Yeah. Bolero is a chief sponsor of this thing. Bolero's the owner, yeah. How, how many locations do they got? 350 probably now with the number of builds. They, yeah, between the buyouts and the builds they've done the last couple of years. So part of the reason this is the way it is is because of TV, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Of how many dates you can have and, and time slots or whatever else. 35000 I'm assuming they're not charging themselves 35000 So why, why not just say to hell with it? Like, where do y'all want to go? We got centers across the country. Mm-hmm. You all tell us, and we'll open our centers to have tournaments. Like, you could literally say next year, 2025, is the West Coast road trip for the PBA Tour and do all West Coast stops. The following year, you could be, it's the year of the South and the PBA Tour, and we're traveling the South all together, making a whole big thing. And then next year, it's the East Coast. Next year, it's the Midwest. And you can literally rotate it around the country by simply using their places. You wouldn't right. even have to use anybody else's place, just using Bolero Centers. So if you can't find somebody in this area, enough in that area of the country to pay 35000 because that's what you're going to do first. I write, yeah, I'd make money. Mm-hmm. So first you're going to do that. Okay, I can't find anybody. Okay, fine. I've got a center in Phoenix. We'll bowl in Phoenix. And if we can't find anybody, we'll bowl at our center. But don't you think that makes a lot more sense? It than, does. Than, than kind of circling the Midwest and East Coast and going, okay, for the most part, we're going to stay right here. But you're forgetting like everybody else a majority of the time, unless it's a celebrity event. Then we go somewhere more, right? Then we're in LA, then we're in Phoenix, then that happens. But I think it would be cool if you focus on one region of the country every year and said, this is where the tour is going to be this year. This is where we're going. And now you know what happens to white? Now it's more special because now every four years, we get to come back to Milwaukee, Chicago. I haven't seen the tour in four years. Right, I'm going. Right. Or how about this? Man, the U.S. Opens in Vegas. I'm getting tickets. I want to go. I want to go watch the U.S. Open in Vegas for the PBA tournament. I'm gonna make a vacation out of it. Mm-hmm, or yeah. man, it's in Phoenix right during Brewer Spring training. I go see a Brewer Spring training right. game 
and I can go see a PBA event. Yep, I'm going. I don't, that type of stuff. Yeah. My question is, out of all the stops this year on the current tour, how many of them are in a Bolero Center? I don't know. Bolero that, that would Phil would know that uh, more than me. Let's see. I know we just had one in Mount Prospect. We always have Riviera Lanes, which is the home of yes, the TOC. Yep. And PBA playoffs finals are in Kissimmee, uh, Kissimmee, Florida. And that's it. So that's three. Three. Yeah. So you're getting 35 G's or whatever the number is for every other tournament, which you don't want to turn away. I'm just saying you can regionalize Mm -hmm. this and see a different area of the country. And to a degree, I think the bowlers may be okay with that if they know, okay, this year we're out here. Right now, they're going to get to see different areas of the country too, meet different fans and be a part of all of that. You're going to essentially expand your marketing by simply going to different parts of the country and having a PBA uh, event there. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Yeah, well, I, can, I have the ideas, but I, I'm not the one that has to execute <laughs> right. the ideas. That's poor Tom Clark. But I, I just think it would be cool. Like I can see the commercials of how I would, how I would, uh, you know, storyboard it or whatever they call it. In right. TV. I, I can envision like how all of it would work. That's a lot easier than going out and selling to all of these different bowling alleys. And then who has to do that? Is that just Tom by himself? I mean, I'll hustle and do this. Do they have a group of people? All that stuff. Okay, good. So I'm glad we talked nothing about the tournament. <laughs> Marshall Kent won. Hey, Marshall Kent won, but also I, I watching the show. Um, I mean, he's a friend of the show. How about Carmen Salvino tribute? I like seeing uh, Salvino there, Carmen. We should get him back on the show. Do we have three days? <laughs> yeah, I don't care, man. I know. I'll talk to Carmen Salvino for it's, 12 hours. I, admit, I do not care. I didn't have a lot of, like, back in the flow of the bowling days after we sw- w- went from extra frame. Well, the coolest things I got to do was sit in the booth with Tom Hess and Carmen after Carmen bowled his last TOC yep. uh, 2019. And we just sat there for eight games. And we, we talked about, like, just like this, we talked about three minutes of actual bowling. And it was just eight games of Carmen stories and questions with Carmen yeah, guys he knew it. and stuff like that. It was a, it was one of the highlights of of 2019 for me by far. Yeah, Carmen Salvino so, and Ginny, his wife Ginny's a saint, an absolute saint. Yeah, no so, doubt. Yeah. All right, so let's talk about the uh, this event, the Illinois Classic. Uh, so Jake Peters makes TV. Happy for Jake Peters. Yeah. Haven't seen him for a while. Uh, defeats EJ Tackett 244 to 188. Tackett is not off to a good start, y'all. Is is and now I know he's on TV. I get that that he's on TV. Phil looks right. like he's on TV. That's yeah. a fine start. Yeah, but to me, that doesn't matter when, when you're he, EJ Tackett. No, like, no. it's a fine oh, start if you're somebody that's not, not normally on TV. Yeah. Right. When you're EJ Tackett, A, you're expected to be on TV, yeah. and B, you're expected to compete and win, uh, win tournaments, and he's been off the last couple of weeks, Phil. Just, yeah, when he gets to the show, I, I was down there for the round of eight Thursday night, and... And that's team, too. That's not even just... That's right. not even single. We're even team Motown. play, he had issues. Yes. yes. And, uh, you know, Thursday night, he had to bowl Jake in the round of eight. And it was a best of seven match. And EJ had a couple chances to, to close things out. Couldn't do it. And then Jake steps up and makes EJ strike first ball the 10th in game seven to do it. And EJ plaques the 10th. And EJ, was uh, he thought it was a great shot. And it just it didn't get all the way up to the pocket. And you kind of saw a lot more of that on, on Saturday, which was surprising because during qualifying, these guys were, I mean, these guys were lights out. EJ is averaging 251 for the first day yeah, and all yeah, the stuff. That's what I took away from and the show. We're all thinking like, and watching some of the match play scores, Belmo is around us around a 16 match averages 260, whatever for his last five games against Tommy Jones. So really thinking these scores on TV are going to be lights out. And that was right. far from the case, whether everybody broke them down weird in practice or whatever. Yeah, I scored yeah. the day was Jake Peters the first game. Yeah, forty four, and he just yeah. went down. And they got from uglier there. Yeah. from there. Yeah, yeah. That that was what I was going to talk to you guys about. And Phil saw the high scoring. What happened during the show? Was it lights again, or is it how no. they broke him down? I think it's how. I think it's just how they broke him down. I think everybody, all five guys, came in with their own game plan, and it just yeah, it just made a mess. You saw these guys making one board moves, and all of a sudden it was. That should have been the move. I mean, how many times did you see this walking yeah. off the approach with the hands in the air? A lot of confusion. What? And yeah. yeah. Where it was just, yeah, whether it was just the, the Don Carter pattern with carry down and oil movement on the lane, that was confusing. He looks super tricky on TV. Yeah, and yeah. I didn't see 7 and 8 being that bad during the week for the guys. So oh, Okay, so last week for U.S. Open, we talked about, oh, it was the oil pattern, USBC being tough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now we come back to the Illinois Classic, and here we sit again. Oh, yeah. boy, we're having issues again. I'm not gonna sound the. I'm not gonna raise a red flag and be like, "This is gonna be a long season." Like we better, because again, you got people tuning in, and I know that we know that bowling there versus bowling in your house is completely different. 
But if we keep having 180, 160, 190 games on TV yeah. week in a week out, people are going to be like, what the hell is going on? Yeah. I mean, you're missing spares. Yeah. You're leaving crazy splits. I mean, there is there is some crazy stuff going on right now. Yeah. And then AJ Johnson, you're hearing him just literally talking to himself like, what the hell is going on? This ball's been oaking the same way. And Randy Johnson goes, I'll tell you what's going on. His speed has changed. And he literally went over, but not, it didn't go from like 17 miles an hour to like 15 miles an hour. It went from like 17.7 to like 17 or (laughs) 17.3 to like 17.7. It was so, there's no way that dude knew that it changed that much. Unless somebody like Randy was paying attention and then went up to him and said, Hey man, it's 0.4 difference. Mm -hmm. And that's screwing you. And then how do you cha- how do you change a point four yeah. on your speed once you know that? Because now you're in his head, right? Point four. How the hell am I going to slow down point four in order to get my <laughs> ball to break again? Right. So yeah. it never even came into his head. Randy pointed it out. I think it was accurate. But but you literally saw him on TV trying to figure out what was going on, and it felt like every game he was battling. And then he would find it, and he'd be good for a section. And then the next game he come back yeah, and right. we'd be struggling all over again yeah, right. and we'd be hustling yeah. trying to find it before time ran out on him. Yeah. It was like frame by frame. They had no idea what the ball was going to do from shot to shot. Yeah. It was just one of those things where when you're watching Marshall way left, you're watching AJ not as far left. And and it's just when you get to the to the pattern, the mid part of the pattern, sometimes that's where all of a sudden you see the speed, especially this week on the Carter, you saw the speed difference where all of a sudden you get a little fast in a hydroplane's a bit, turns a corner late, there's two tens right. or, or worse. And then they got a little slow. We saw a couple of Marshall shots just check up and go dead left through the head head pin. Uh, who missed a head pin left? Oh, it's at Lavery Spar. Yeah, 2000. I mean, grabbed it and, and just it went instant left. Shot. Yeah. And he oh hit. Oh, my God, that was a bad shot. Right. And it's just he hit all that front lane, front lane friction in front of it because that ball should have, I mean, if it would have hit front lane friction, that ball would have hit the barely hit the four pin. Mm-hmm. It just burned out so quick that it didn't have a chance, a lot of energy left to keep poking all the way across the lane. That was a horrible shot. Yeah. That was bad. Um, okay, so so Peters wins that one. Hey, AJ Johnson, now clutch now. I mean, we get to that frame. You need double and a five, and the, the boy goes up there and throws a double. Mm-hmm. That was impressive. I mean, that that's pressure bowling right there. And again, if he didn't get double five, didn't mean he was going to lose. Right. But that was how you were going to shut Peters out. And he did that. Now, again, mixing him up, doing however you do it oh. to, to figure out how to strike. But he got the job done. Left lane. I mean, that was the big thing. He got to finish yep. the two matches he won on that left lane, which seemed to be easier for everybody. Yeah. In most cases. No doubt. So that was a, a big win for him. Uh, then uh, you go to the next one. Uh, and now it's uh, Sean uh, Lavery Spar. Uh, and again, this was the COVID story, the lung story, all of that. Uh, and again, that game too, Phil, he, he was struggling. He was trying yep. to find himself a little bit, trying to figure out how to get through it. Got through it. Going into the last game against Marshall Kent. I want you to. I had no idea what was going to happen. Oh, same. I had no yeah, idea. No. Normally you got a field goal last game. Like this dude ain't going to finish. Like once he's going to win it, probably we'll know in the first couple of frames, it's going to happen. But even after the first couple of frames, I still wasn't there convinced. I knew what was going to happen, Phil. It's just a matter of you you know the track record of top seeds on top of it the last few years. I mean, where it's sub 500. I mean, there's been some years where the in the last five years, there were a couple of years where it was like the winning percentage was like 333 or something, where it's just obscene how tough it is to win in that top spot. You come back on, you get your A practice balls, and you have no comfort factor where the guy that's been on the pair for one game or two games, like AJ was, he's got the crowd behind him. He's got the comfort factor. So that I I kind of slightly favored AJ just on that part getting into the game, but Marshall just showed how dedicated he's been the last couple of years. I saw him at Bull Expo 2022, uh, did an interview with Marshall, and you could just tell, man, his first words were, I need to get out of Vegas. He just was not happy there. And he did. He went to Michigan. Yeah, and so he's got a great practice facility of Holly Lanes, Andrew Anderson set him up with, and he's really rededicated himself to the game. I mean, winning with EJ was one thing. I mean, they're they're great friends. Marshall was best man at EJ's wedding a few years back, and uh, when he that, but getting that singles title back under your belt, that was the goal. And, and he got it accomplished pretty quick here in 2024. I was pleasantly surprised by that. I haven't talked to him in years. I talked to him back when he was first coming up when I got to the World Series of Bowling in Vegas. Mm-hmm. Super nice guy. Yeah. I mean, EJ Hackett, super nice guy. Talent, a lot yeah. of those guys, yeah. all really nice dudes. Like, yeah. if you met him out, like, 
they're just super nice, just like you would probably imagine. The facial hair throws me off. I think that's because he's trying to feel older, maybe. Um, he's had it for a couple of years now. Yeah. yeah, I know. Yeah, it's a little. I, I like the yeah. clean shave. He, he looked good with a clean shave. Uh, all right, Dwight, what did you think of that last game? Well, uh, same thing. It just he starts off with a strike, and then I'm thinking to myself, okay, he's got a better look than AJ Johnson's got, and then of course the next frame, no, no rea- ball reaction again here. Like here we go, it's going to be another clunker finish. Yeah, but, you know, and so I, I, I you're right. I mean. Uh, fans w- watching at home want to see like 250-240, and that, that shot wasn't going to give them 250-240, how bad, it, how ugly it got so quick yeah. uh, on that show. And that's what I kept thinking all week was um, uh, asking Phil, well, if they had such a good look and what happened on this show? Why? I mean, because it was such a struggle for both of them. The thing that I, I read on social media after the show, and I do agree with the people that wrote in on social media, is a lot of people wanted to see A.J. Johnson win to get his first title on TV, sure. not overseas. Yep. And so we had A.J. on our show also. So, I, of course, I was pulling for him, too. It would have been nice hometown crowd. I know we want to talk about that a million times uh, there to support him. But it just would have been great to see him get his first singles title uh, on TV um, in the States. Even though it wasn't the power of the U.S. Open finals, there was a great story with any of the five guys if they would have won. E.J. Tackett with his first title after after Trip was born, and Jake Peters' first title after his wife passed away a couple of years ago from brain right. cancer. A.J., Sean coming back from the lung issue, Marshall struggling for so long. I mean, there are five great storylines there, no right. matter who won. It's a great story for the PBA. No doubt. And they got, from the aspect of trying to keep an audience, you come from that Big East game with Marquette, and there's E.J. Tackett. So I'm like, okay, this is good. We're going to go from him straight into a superstar. Because, again, if it would have been Sean Lavery, Sparrow, and Jake Peters, I don't know how long people are hanging. Right. But you get EJ Tackett, you feel good about it. But then EJ Tackett wasn't EJ Tackett, so I don't know how much you really held. That's what I'd also like to know. I'd love to know, because you can get it for the sports games, uh, baseball, basketball, football. I would love to know, when they follow a basketball game, what that number is immediately. Yeah. And then what is that number a half hour later? an hour later, mm-hmm. an hour and a half later. Like, how does that number look? Does that number go down or does that number climb as the bowling fans are starting to come over and tune in that weren't watching basketball? I'd be curious to see what that looks like. Yeah, I know Jeff Riggles touches on it a lot. He When he gets the ratings for and he puts it in the 11frame.com blog, I just went to check if he had the story out yet. He doesn't, uh, unless I missed it earlier no, in the weekend. The ratings normally come out on Tuesday okay. mornings, maybe. So the breakdowns. Yeah. So, because he's had a tour, it gives you the breakdown of the, you know, the always important 18 to 40, whatever. Oh, the demographics, right. Demographics and all that, too. But he's had it sometimes where he's had the time frame in there with the bouncing up and down and that type of thing. But, yeah, it should be pretty. I mean, that was a, you know, big nationwide game with Marquette on FS1. For sure. Yes. He's going to be like casual fans watching, too. I did have a handful of people tell me when we were watching at the bowling alley, why on a Saturday night, I said, well, tomorrow's the Super Bowl. Right. So, I'm assuming that that was better doing that than bowling Sunday afternoon. Yeah. I mean, I, right. I I was fine with the time slot. That yeah. didn't bother me at all. Yeah, right. They've had uh, exhibition events it, on Super Bowl Sunday in the past on yeah. Fox a couple of years back, but that was just exhibition. Yeah, right. right. No, I liked it. Yeah. I, I thought yeah. I had no issue with the time slot. I had no issue yeah. with where it was. I had issue with Marquette playing overtime and causing me to see the <laughs> frame. But that that was that was about it. Uh, he is Phil Brylo, two dollar Phil Dwight Albrecht. Uh, with us as well over at the Spare Time Pro Shop in New Berlin. Follow Phil at Bruce City Bowling on Twitter. Follow Dwight at Dewey300. You can follow me at Sparky Radio. Check out all the interviews I do. Packers, Brewers, Bucks, Packers, Badgers, all that fun stuff over at 1250amthefan.com. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the longest edition ever in the podcast <laughs> form uh, here. Uh, without on, Carmen. Without Carmen Salmino. That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> uh, until next week, people.